<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, folks, quick chat before we start the show. We love all of our Patreon subscribers, so I'm launching a contest to break the 1,000 subscriber mark before the end of the year. So here's what we're going to do. The 1,000 subscriber at bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow will get to co-host an entire show with me. I'm serious about this. You'll get a chance to rant about Trump or whatever's on your mind to tens of thousands of listeners. Again, that's subscriber number 1,000 on our Patreon page. We'll get to co-host this podcast for one exciting episode. So when you get a chance, make sure to stop by our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow and sign up for at least $1 a month. You'll hardly miss it and you'll be supporting the show in the best way possible. Don't forget to tell all your friends too. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. Thank you in advance, and now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Partisanship's over. We elected a president. This is for everybody. No banners tonight. American flag. Okay, but we're using the seal, and I'll put Senate and House leadership up there. No balloons, no confetti. Why? It's not a party. It is a party. Yeah, but we won. We don't have to pander. Please don't say that. On your birthday, don't we pander to you? Not as much as I'd like. I'm not kidding. What are you babbling about? We haven't won anything yet. The speech is done. Two speeches are done. What's the second? I've got a speech if he wins. I've got a speech if he doesn't. You wrote a concession? Of course I wrote a concession. What, do you, you want to tempt the wrath of the whatever from high atop the thing? No. Then go outside, turn around three times, and spit. What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> it's like 25 degrees outside. Go! He wrote a concession speech. Of course he wrote a concession speech. Why wouldn't he? What possible reason would he have for not writing a concession speech? The wrath from high atop the thing. He upped and said we were gonna... No, you gotta go outside, turn around three times, and curse. Spit. Spit and curse! Do everything. Go. Go! 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 These things have a half-life, you know? You can't just... Did you? Yes, I turned, I cursed, I spat, it froze. You can't be too careful. I think you can. Bob Seska. We could not talk or talk forever and still find things to not talk about. The Bob Seska Show. If I see one goddamn balloon before November 3rd, 2020, I'm coming to your house and I'm going to throw down. Uh, from our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, August 20, 2019, and this is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com, the greatest soap in the universe. Hi, what's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 943 of the Trump crisis, day 107 of the constitutional crisis, 441 days 
until the 2020 presidential election, and don't get happy, damn it. All right, sitting right over there, my good friend Buzz Burbank. Hi, Buzz. Hi, hi, Bob. Hi, hi everybody. He's uh, he's Bob. I'm Buzz. We are to broadcasting what the Russians are to nuclear safety. So you've come to the right <laughs> show for that. We're, we are, are we not the the Greenland of podcasts? So bid high and bid to buy. That's true. I I've heard that too. What 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 do you say we all chip in and buy Jamaica? Who's with me? I'm totally on board. That, now, there's a good real estate deal. If yes, exactly. I, uh, Bob, I got so much on my mind. Sure. Uh, like, for example, if if you're against Antifa, does that make you profa? <laughs> you need to, it, it makes you I, think, I guess maybe it? a little. And I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know what to make of this Planned Parenthood thing. I drove by yesterday, and they were having a condom clearance sale. Oh, they, that's what is true. That? Again, another I one of those things. Coming. Yeah, I know. The, the, the drummer. I know. I know. I, uh, oh, and look at this headline. <laughs> look at this headline. Planned Parenthood withdraws from Title X. I think that's the first time Planned Parenthood's gone with pulling out. <laughs> I'm not sure about the history of that. Yeah, it's but. a safe bet to pull out. And right? I'll, I'll end with a true story. This week, this is true, <laughs> a, a man in Alaska who was gathering firewood on the beach yeah. found, found a note in a bottle that was written by a Russian sailor. Now, I don't read Russian, but I'm pretty sure the note said... How do you like him so far? <laughs> the great uh, Buzz Burbank from Buzz Burbank News and Comments, buzzburbank.com, realmartwork.com. Okay, my friend, uh, where do we yes. get started here? You know what? The only place to start on a day like today is with a heat-seeking missile for Trump's ass. Only Stormy Daniels would know if he would like that. I don't know. <laughs> well, Stormy Daniels and Mike Pompeo both. Because uh, apparently Mike Pompeo is indeed a heat-seeking missile for Trump's ass. Uh, you know, by the way, I, I thought the heat-seeking missile for Trump's ass was known as KFC. I mean, I didn't know that it was an actual person. See, wait a minute. Where's my goddamn red shot? There we go. Thank you. Well, maybe, maybe I'm misunderstanding the meaning of a heat-seeking missile in this context. Can you enlighten me? Okay, or, uh, well. As to, as to, how is Pompeo the heat-seeking missile for Trump's ass? Well, uh, apart I, from I the literal translation of that. Yes. He, yes. <laughs> fairly, that one I got. <laughs> According to a uh, a 21-page article, uh, an unnamed former U.S. official, I mean, who could be anybody, uh, but yeah. someone who was close to the Trump administration, described Mike Pompeo as being among the most sycophantic and obsequious oh, people around Donald Trump. An unnamed former U.S. ambassador went further, calling Pompeo a heat-seeking missile for Trump's ass. And I there like you that. go. That's very good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I would have used a uh, home, uh, you know, but but yeah, I, I get the idea now. Yeah, I know that I've heard that before and read that before. That uh, yeah, he is he is the top sycophant in the administration. Yeah. Well, of course we although, talk. Although it's a race. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, we talked about this uh, last week. In fact, that uh, Donald Trump has no interest in having a State Department at all. He thinks he can do it all himself. So it kind of makes sense that the Secretary of State would simply be, you know, a, a heat-seeking missile for Trump's ass. Someone who is just going to do whatever Trump wants him to do as, as right, kind of right. a secretary or a surrogate. Because I know Donald Trump wants to do it all himself. He wants to, He's the only guy, right, 
who is the art of the deal guy and who can make all of the deals himself. So, you know, all of these other presidents, the, uh, you know, the other 44 presidents of the United States who had actual chumps. chumps. Yeah. The stupid idiot chumps with, you know, secretaries of state and state departments to do international diplomacy. Ah, what a waste of time. All you need is just one guy and some Adderall. You know, that's all you need to run the national security. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Pompeo probably does take the lead, but there are a number of folks in the administration who uh, compete for that role. Yeah. Uh, it's whatever the boss says. You know, if uh, it doesn't matter. And you know all the crazy stuff he says uh, from day to day and, and uh, flip-flops on his own positions. And you go to these people and they always say, well, basically their answers are uh, whatever he said. Exactly. Which is also the case with Larry Kudlow. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we saw that uh, uh, very well illustrated this week. <laughs> yes, we did. Now, this is the guy who is advising Donald Trump on the economy. So shocker that the guy advising Donald Trump on the economy was hammered on every single one of the uh, Sunday shows this past weekend, this past Sunday. It did seem so. It did. Yeah. The way he rambled on, it did seem so. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure that. Basically, he just defended the policy. I don't know how much uh, Kudlow even leads the policy. Well, I think yeah. he, like the others, does what Trump tells him to, and, and his job is to get out there and defend it, which he attempted to do this week. <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to assume that uh, the normal running of, uh, well, of an economic see, advisor's office is actually delivering advice to the president. Whether the president's that, listening to it or not is another story. That, right? that could be our first mistake. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, because nothing seems... Nothing is done normally in this. No, 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 no. And at least of all going on the Sunday shows, you know, sober. I mean, here's Larry Kudlow. This is Larry Kudlow with Dana Perino. And what's the context here? What time of day? This is like 9 a.m. or something, 9.30? Yes, yes. It's way too early to be this obliterated. I mean, he he is, it is hilarious. In fact, you know, one of the tapes that I find funniest, all the tapes that we play here in the show, one of my favorite is uh, where someone took a tape of Jeff Goldblum and then slowed it down to sound like yeah. he's drunk. And he's talking about IMAX. This is an old, old IMAX commercial from like the 90s right. with with Jeff Goldblum sounding like he's drunk. What do you think the greatest gift of the holidays is? <laughs> yeah. Internet? Yeah. I'd say internet. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, of course, as easy as it's always. But, of course, that's all digitally altered to make it sound like he's drunk. And and they did that to Hillary, too. And if you've ever sat in a bar across from somebody who was that drunk, you know also that not only do they stretch out their words, but they go on and on. So uh, look for that, too, as you listen to this audio. Here's Here's Larry Kudlow, and the first thing out of his mouth, I think, is the word Greenland, but but you be the judge. Greenland is a strategic place (laughs) up there, and uh, they got a lot of valuable minerals. Let's go back there. Greenland is strategic, but they got a lot of valuable minerals. (laughs) That's that's the president's economic advisor right there. Sleep tight, America. More, More, please. There's more. Greenland is a strategic place. (laughs) up there and uh they got a lot of valuable minerals i don't want to predict it now come on i'm just saying you hear what he said they got a lot of minerals (laughs) come on i'm just saying the president who knows a thing or two about buying real estate 
wants to take a look I, at I'll, low interest rates, no inflation, virtually no inflation, Chuck Tuck. <laughs> so I actually think it's a pretty good story. And again, let me echo my theme. Echo. Let's not be afraid of some optimism. Yeah, let, let me echo my theme there, Buzz. Why are you always preventing well, me from echoing my theme about Greenland? Um, you, you, you know, Bob, there are different stages of being drunk and different kinds of drunks. Some drunks want to fight. Yeah. Some, some drunks just want to be friends. Yes. Uh, you know, and then, and then you have this. Right. Well, so Larry Kudlow must have had like five or six mimosas on an empty stomach. That's what I'm kind of thinking here. And, and my first reaction, quite honestly, Buzz, I tweeted about this Sunday morning. I said, did, did he have some kind of medical event that's making him talk like this? Because I wanted to be absolutely sure before I said, oh, yeah, Larry Kudlow's drunk. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that I well, didn't. Well, we don't know for sure, but it sure seems like it, doesn't it? Yes, maybe a little bit. But, I mean, I obviously, uh, as this is all sussed out of the, the, the subsequent couple of days, uh, yeah, Larry Kudlow was hammered on, on the Sunday shows. And I, quite honestly, I don't know why he's still employed. This is the sort of thing that Donald Trump really doesn't like. I mean, there are a lot of things that Donald Trump is okay with. I mean, a lot of horrible behavior. Being drunk in public, he's like he doesn't like two things. He doesn't like people taking the spotlight away from him, and two, he doesn't uh, like drunk people. I think was one of yeah. the reasons why he fired Steve Bannon because he didn't like those two <laughs> things. Steve Bannon always being out front trying to take uh, the spotlight for himself, and also, right. you know, clearly being drunk most of the time. And so, because I think Donald Trump is a teetotaler because he lost yes. a, a family member to alcoholism. That this is the sort of thing that he just doesn't uh, tolerate. But this and, is one of those things. and alcohol, but he loves. Adderall. So yeah, that's right. Do all the drugs you want. I mean, if you, you have right. some uppers laying around, that's fine and dandy, Larry. Prescription, prescriptions, not not drug drugs. <laughs> right. Yeah, there is a difference, as Elvis yes. Presley always taught us that. Uh, <laughs> Prescription drugs weren't actual drugs. I mean, you could take all that you wanted, but as long as they're not illegal drugs, well, then you're fine. Right. You're not you're not necessarily strung out on heroin. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that was drunken Larry Kudlow. I just got to hear him say Greenland one more time. Greenland yes, is a strategic place. <laughs> No wonder, no wonder we're so screwed. No wonder there's a recession on the horizon. This is the it's guy. Fine. Unbelievable. It's fine. I, I, I think he's still there for now uh, because uh, because he does because Trump doesn't need a scapegoat at the moment and yeah. because uh, Kudlow is one of those guys who will get out there and defend the president and his policies uh, without uh, much to back it up. Yeah, yeah. What well, did you know, Buzz? That the fundamentals of the economy are strong. Mm -hmm. That's what we're told by Kellyanne Conway. Sure. This is one of those things that uh, uh, John McCain used in two thousand eight. You know, as the economy was collapsing in a worldwide recession, the fundamentals of the economy, though, were, were perfectly strong. And this is the this is what partially doomed the John McCain campaign. And it wasn't that long ago. So you really have to wonder who in the White House is going, hey, you know what? That line was pretty good. Let's recycle that one. Let's bring that one back as it worked out so well the first time. It's as if conservatives have a book they work from. And this <laughs> yeah. is in that book. And then you just look it up and there's right. the answer and you go with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, because it does repeat itself. So the fundamentals of the economy are strong. Uh, what they're planning to do here, the, uh, the solution to all of this, the excuse that Trump is going to throw around now is that the... Uh -huh. The Democrats are willing the country into a recession. That's right. Yes. A have you ever heard of something like that, where suddenly the opposition party goes, mm, God, I, I, I hope the economy crashes, you know, just to screw that guy. See, that's what they do. They crash the economy. 
to own the libs. I don't think we're behaving in the same way because quite frankly, we all remember what it was like firsthand to experience the last time the economy dropped into a uh, pretty deep recession. And so you think if it's possible to will the economy into a recession, you'd think it was also possible to will the economy to continue growing, right? I mean, that would be the logical inference from all of that. Sure, the magic should work both ways. Yeah, exactly. But that's not quite how it works. So what they're doing, the White House is now planning a payroll tax cut. In addition to blaming the Democrats if everything falls apart, they're deciding, well, hey, maybe one of the ways we can rescue the economy now is to uh, is to plan this payroll tax cut. Yes, we, we what we need to do is to undermine Social Security and Medicare uh, in a way that won't actually stimulate the economy. You, you have to do those kind of tax cuts with other forms of stimulus. That's how the economy gets stimulated. They're, they're considering, yeah, they're considering this move. They, they say, the White House says this would not include uh, any uh, cuts to Medicaid or Social Security. Uh, we, we don't know whether to believe that or not, but that's what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is what they're proposing. And uh, you have to try to find any amusing, uh, sort of amusing thing you can in, in this mess. And uh, here's the amusing thing here is that on one hand, uh, Trump is saying the economy's fine. Yeah. And on the other hand, he's scrambling. <laughs> to make sure that it is because he knows that's what he needs to get reelected in 2020. In fact, he knows that's the only thing that would get him reelected in 2020. It's the last little thread that he's hanging on to and it's about to snap or there's talk of that and that scares the crap out of him. Yeah, and the, you know, the other thing he's doing is he wants to blame Jerome Powell, who's the chairman of the Fed and... Oh, yeah, and Xi Jinping and the media. Yeah, yeah he's blaming a lot of people for this uh, anybody but him of course uh but again uh the thing he's blaming on people is the thing he says isn't happening <laughs> yeah that's right and the other thing he's considering is uh canceling some of his tariffs which is also an admission that yes. oh maybe that's the problem maybe that's what's driving us into a brick wall here maybe that's what's Last de- destabilizing the market and creating all this if volatility trump would need congress in order to to do that payroll tax cut thing right uh and 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 by the way just in time for the election yeah. um you know so th- that's probably not going to happen this is a backstop this this word from inside the administration that well we might also consider dropping the tariffs mm-hmm. it's a last resort they might do that if it'll save if they think it will save and i'm not sure anything can at this point but if they think it will save his re-election effort uh that is on the list, albeit the bottom of the list. I get so frustrated, Buzz, and I think I ranted about this a little bit last Thursday, is uh, this uh, this amnesia that we're getting from the Republicans and, and from the public at large, quite honestly, where well, the, yeah, the, the thought is... understandable. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. But, I mean, if you rewind just 10 years, I mean, 10 years wasn't that long ago. 10 years, we were in the first year of the Barack Obama administration in which... Uh, you know, we were just trying to yank ourselves out of the Great Recession. And, of course, uh, Barack Obama made a bunch of moves uh, early on in his administration, spending all kinds of political capital to rescue the economy from collapsing even further. And, in fact, creating the largest economic expansion or the longest economic expansion in American history. Ten years so far Thanks, without a recession. Obama. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Obama. But at the same time, one of the things that we learn in that process is that tax cuts do not stimulate economic growth by themselves. Now, just to illustrate, 
Barack Obama's stimulus uh, contained what amounted to, in a, in a dollar amount, the largest uh, middle-class tax cut in American history up mm-hmm. to that point. But he uh, grouped that into all kinds of infrastructure spending. We all remember the billboards on the side of the road, the Recovery yeah. and Reinvestment Act, so on, all of the, the stimulus spending that was going on in the United States, in addition to some of the tax cut measures. And so that's how you do it. You don't just cut taxes because what people do with their tax cuts most often especially wealthier people is they just stick it in the bank or they reinvest it they're not investing in jobs and all that crap that's a bunch of hooey that's a myth and what regular people do when they get uh, their ten dollar a month tax break or their thirty dollar a month tax break whatever it goes to we're paying the freaking bills which 40 percent of americans report they are struggling to do that's right Uh, so this doesn't grow the economy this just barely covers the freaking bills but uh, none of it matters buzz because it's just the democrats going I hope there's a recession. I hope there's a recession. I hope there's a recession. Well, you know, Bill Maher has wished for a recession. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, nobody nobody wants one. No. Well, we, if, if there's a hope on the progressive side, it is that if there is a recession, uh, we hope that it guarantees Trump's defeat in the 2020 election. Yeah, yeah. I, I My greatest concern now, because I've been watching this, and you have too, uh, the predictions of, when uh, such a recession would occur, uh, current signs say about 15 months away. My concern is it's going to fall in the early days of the next probably Democratic administration. And uh, once again, it's like, here's the steaming, here's the here's the bag of burning dog shit on your front porch again. We're... Yeah. We're 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 off to see the wizard. We're out of here. Goodbye. That's right. And uh, and that's and that's it. And so Democrats are once again stuck with a crap economy. Yeah. And uh, that's that's what. So I'm concerned because now the forecasters are saying, well, it could be after the election. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know. They go, oh crap. That's not going to help us at all. So no, I'm not wishing for a recession. Uh, I wouldn't mind if the fear of one helped defeat Donald Trump. That's and, right. and, and frankly, uh, Bob, as soon as next month, his own supporters are going to feel this at the grocery store as they buy meat and dairy mm-hmm. and garlic and, and other common items that we get from China. And the tariffs will go up on that. Grocery bills will go up. People can't afford for grocery bills to go mm-hmm. up. They're going to be very unhappy. Uh, as soon as a month from now. Uh, people are going to be bitching about Trump, uh, even those who had supported him. I think, first of all, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen next year. Second of all, from the perspective of wishing for this to happen or willing it to happen, the fact Mm -hmm. of the matter is that most of us, I would say a a good 99% of us, don't want a recession to happen. But if it does happen, there's a welcome kind of side effect, which is undercutting Donald Trump's approval numbers and so on and and putting him at risk uh, for not being reelected in 2020. So there is a silver lining to that dark cloud and that's what i think how we're all looking at the the possibility of a recession my big concern is one of the reasons why i always couple discussions of recession with discussions of the budget deficit because i always get uh, perpetually concerned about the fact that the republicans are constantly playing this game in fact you can see the trends starting back with reagan and bush in the 1980s and then handing off uh to uh, bill clinton who then has to rescue the economy but is also faced with a catastrophic budget 
deficit. So the, the challenge then is to to grow the economy and also shrink the budget deficit down to something that's manageable. But what they do is they do this starve the beast thing where, OK, you know what, we're going to we're going to pass all these tax cuts just like George W. Bush did, just like Donald Trump did. But we're not going to pay for them. We're not going to do anything to make sure that we have revenue that compensates for the amount of uh, of lost revenue due to the tax cuts. So they don't do that. And they raise, of course, a, uh, a federal budget deficit by the end of the latest projections I've seen is that by the end of 2020, uh, the budget deficit is going to be $1.1 trillion, which is about the same as it was in, oh, shocker, 2009, when the Republicans were screaming at Barack Obama for for spending too much. And, you know, of course, Barack Obama wanted to do all the things to stimulate the economy, to spend us out of the recession. And they claimed poverty. They claimed austerity. What we need to do is cut spending. What we need to do is cut taxes. And of course, all the numbers that we saw, all the projections from just about every economist are saying, no, that you don't want to you don't want to cut spending. You don't want to cut taxes. What you want to do is uh, you want to uh, cut taxes for middle class earners, but at the same time, increase spending as much as you can because, well, you can. The United States has great credit. We can continue to spend if we need to. But what the Republicans like to do is to say, well, you know what, we'll just... Uh, We'll rack up a gigantic deficit going into the next Democratic administration. And then from there, we'll just say, oh, yeah, look, there's a giant deficit. You can't spend anything on health care or crappy things like education. How sexy is that? Oh, you're not going to deal with education. Uh, and, and certainly you're not going to spend any money on stimulating the economy. It's immensely frustrating. But this is this is kind of what tell. they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's. That's so that on uh, in late January of 2021, uh, the doorbell can ring at the White House and there'll be a flaming brown paper bag <laughs> sitting there. That's again, yeah, uh, once again and just in time. That's right. Uh, that's right. And, and that's and that's what we're going to have. And then that then whatever economic suffering that occurs after that will be uh, somehow attached to. Uh, the new president. Well, I don't know about you, Buzz, but I'm really enjoying for the maybe for the first time ever. <laughs> I'm enjoying Donald Trump's freak out over the last three or four oh, days. Sure, <laughs> I mean it's scary because yeah. you don't know if it's going to hit you in the eye, but it it's it's <laughs> yeah. it's exciting to watch at the same time. It's like sitting uh, uh, trackside at, at a drag race. Mm -hmm. You're you know, oh, oh, tire could fly off and kill you, but you, you still want to be on the front row to get a good look. And, that's right. And that's so a great way to put it. That's and that's what we're watching with Trump here. Yeah. Is he's just he's out of control, and some of it's funny. Uh, some of it involves nuclear weapons. Uh, you be the judge mm -hmm. as to you know how amused to be. Well, mo most specifically, what I'm talking about here is the fact that uh, this Fox News poll came out showing uh, you know Joe Biden 12 points oh. ahead of Donald Trump yes. in a head-to-head -head matchup yes. in the general, and uh, the other Democrats, the other uh, the other three top-tier Democrats uh, also showed Warren. Warren beats him by six. Yeah, that's healthy. That's a strong. That's a strong win. Yeah, so twelve for Biden is a landslide. Absolutely, and so uh, these numbers, because they came from Fox News Channel, are making uh, Donald Trump shit in his big boy pants. Uh, that's exactly what's going on right now. So, as a consequence of all of that, Donald Trump is trying to figure out ways that he can rig the twenty twenty election so that if he does lose, per these uh, poll numbers, if they turn out to be accurate, that he's going going to wheel out one of these excuses or maybe all of the excuses to say that you know what this uh, this election this 2020 election this is a uh something that needs to be invalidated because of all of these sure. things, oh, Google yeah. and, and uh, v 
voter fraud and all the rest of it. And uh, and so these are the I mean, obviously, this is how he's going to approach this. If he is going to contest the 2020 election, it's going to be by saying that uh, undocumented immigrants were the ones who skewed the just like the, his conspiracy theory about California in 2016 with the three million uh, illegal voters that he claims uh, and which has been repeatedly debunked not only by fact checkers but also by his own voter fraud commission which by hearing him speak buzz you would think that voter fraud was a big enough deal to let the voter fraud commission last more than eight months but he shut it down after eight months why well because he couldn't really find anything right and even recently even recently again he's talked about uh, voter fraud as the thing that he wants addressed uh uh, and and uh, I think that's been echoed in the Republican Senate as well, as opposed to addressing any Russian interference and dealing with any of that. That's right. Uh, they're back to this voter fraud, voter ID, fake voting thing that, as you just pointed out, as we learned uh, from many, including his own commission, uh, statistically doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. So, it doesn't exist uh, at all. Yeah, yeah, you know, and again, this is just this is what we can expect. I prefer, on the other hand, this is more fun, I think. Uh, I now just uh, believe whatever Anthony Scaramucci says. <laughs> you uh, too? I'm totally on board with yeah. that. <laughs> so, no, uh, no, the mooch, you know, eh, maybe it's true, but I think, I think what you're about to hear uh, that I got from the mooch uh, is every bit as uh, likely, uh, I forgive me, but I think it's every bit as likely as what you just outlined, uh, that in 2020, prior to the election, Trump will see that he has no chance and will back out of the race. Will not. Mm, will, will back out of running for re-election. Yeah, yeah. In fact, now I again, it's the mooch. So I don't know whether to believe this guy or not. I I normally wouldn't. Although I, I it's just I. This is an opportunity to believe in something that I want to believe in, as opposed yeah. to what you just said. <laughs> so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with with the mooch on this one. Just because it sounds like more fun. Well, you remember, I actually uh, called that one, too. And I I don't think that I'm necessarily right or that the mooch is necessarily right about (laughs) what Donald Trump is going to do with 2020. In this case, Donald Trump dropping out of the 2020 race because he knows he's going to lose. I I was just passing along in in my salon article uh, a couple of months ago. I was just passing along uh, a rumor that I had overheard in a Washington, D.C. social circle that said something along the lines of uh, Donald Trump dropping out of the race in 2020 um, allegedly because of health concerns or some other excuse and then uh, lobbying the delegates at the convention to nominate Ivanka Trump in his place to carry on this Trump dynasty knowing that the dynasty otherwise would get cut off after four years thank God if that ends up being the case but uh, yeah so I mean this is something that's going around and I don't know how legitimate it is again I preface everything that I have said here about this matter as being a rumor, as being uh, somewhat sure. unsubstantiated and a wild uh, outside the box kind of possibility. But at the same time, <laughs> everything about this presidency has been wild and outside the box. Exactly. So. That's the point. It's unpredictable. Yeah. And yeah. that's why, you know, the Mooch's theory is interesting and intriguing and possible. And in my case, preferred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in in fact, uh, one of the things that I was uh, discussing in that particular salon article was the possibility, too, that Donald Trump might drop Mike Pence and replace Mike Pence with Ivanka Trump. Um, and uh-huh. and that's something that Trump was actually asked about during one of his chopper talks uh, the other day. And he 
pledged that he was going to keep Mike Pence. Now, he was speaking. Donald Trump was speaking about Mike Pence in the past tense. He has been a good vice president. He didn't say Mike Pence is a good vice president. He said he has been and he's done Uh very well. So everything was in the past tense. And I don't know if that was a tell but it was maybe just a little bit of opening there that he couldn't then, weasel out of in a year or so, to, right? To feed to feed the conspiracy theory, he canceled that trip to New Jersey, I believe Pence did. Yeah. Uh, at, at about the same time, the rumor was circulating about Ivanka. Here's what I wondered then and now, uh, if we must consider this, and apparently we must in this day and age. <laughs> I guess. Uh, what I wonder now is, would tr- would the misogyny of Trump's base allow that that's a an interesting question i think they would and i'll I'll tell you why because i think they were willing to accept uh nominees to the cabinet like ben carson and so on they they Mm -hmm. like their tokens the uh yeah the the trump republicans yeah in, in subservient positions, yes. Yeah. Well, you see how they applaud when Donald Trump brings up, I've got the lowest African-American employment, the lowest Asian employment. And so they like that because it makes them look less racist than they actually are. It's like someone yeah. who says, hey, look at my black friend here. Hey, look, yeah, I, don't, of, I don't hate women. I like Ivanka. What kind of damage could Barbie do? <laughs> That's right. Uh, speaking of women in the, the Trump administration, you know, I was thinking about this. You know who could use some plexiderm uh, on their face is, uh, is Kellyanne Conway. They, they have her. I think they've uh, they've exiled her to someplace off off campus. They've sent her somewhere because it always looks. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just by the way, I just read uh, she probably could use this help. But I just read that she uh, she thinks that Antifa means anti First Amendment. She thinks that's <laughs> what that means. Jesus. And she thinks uh, recession is the Sesame Street word of the day. That's something else that I overheard her saying. Yeah, totally. That's exactly. That's exactly. Make sure you downplay the threat of a recession by comparing it to a Sesame Street word of the day. That's some smart politics right there. But I think what would be smart for Kellyanne Conway, I think what would be smart Uh for all of us who are maybe a little bit older than 40 years old is to uh, pick up some Plexiderm at triplexiderm.com using the coupon code SEXYLIBERAL for my discount. Plexiderm is amazing. What you do is it's a it's a cream that you put on your under eye bags and fine lines and wrinkles and it temporarily eliminates them in just minutes. It's kind of an amazing thing. I mean, what by itself, even if you don't need it just to experiment with it, just to see it actually work is kind of an incredible thing to do. Um, and by the way, I'm not talking about days or weeks for it to work. It's not like some of the other creams and gels and so on where you have to do it every day in this regimen for six months and then maybe it'll kind of sort of work. No, Plexiderm is clinically studied to visibly eliminate under eye bags and wrinkles in just a few minutes in minutes. The science behind Plexiderm is incredible with clinical studies to back it up. If you look older and tired because of crow's feet, wrinkles, or under eye bags, you can look younger in just minutes with Plexiderm, right? See for yourself. Watch a real video with real people and see how fast crow's feet, wrinkles, and under eye bags just vanish. Those results are backed up by Plexiderm's 30-day satisfaction guarantee for you. Go to triplexiderm.com right now. Use the coupon code, as I said, SEXYLIBERAL, two words, all caps, for my discount. That's triplexiderm.com with the code SEXYLIBERAL or call 1-800-685-1292 and mention SEXYLIBERAL. Thank you so much. The Bob Seska Show.
The Bob Seska Show. Paul Melanson, uh, the song is called King Sham from his album uh, called Camera Obscura. BobSeska.com slash music if you want to submit. Lots of great music coming up here in the month of August uh, for the Indie Music Countdown at the end of the month. And uh, just loving every single one of our indie bands here, in our indie recording artists. I'm getting so many great emails, too, from other indie uh, recording artists who are submitting their music and, and thanking me for playing Wonderful. this stuff on the show. But, I mean, it's... Wonderful. I'm just opening the door. It's all of your great work coming in that door uh, that makes it really good, that makes this all entirely worth it. So thank you to all of our uh, indie musicians, indie recording artists for submitting all of their fine, fine music. All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were mentioning uh, all these excuses that Donald Trump is going to uh, wheel out to invalidate the 2020 election. And, and you know, the, yeah. the voter fraud one, to me, Buzz, is just as bullshit as, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. It's as, it's as stupid an excuse as you could possibly have because there are two major Republican administration studies about voter fraud, and not a single goddamn one of them actually showed that there was any voter fraud at all and some legitimate studies too yeah yeah i mean the bush the george (laughs) w bush uh john ashcroft department of justice studied voter fraud nationwide for about five years specifically looked at the 2002 and 2004 elections and found that there were only uh i think the number is 26 actual convictions out of 197 million total votes cast that's a voter fraud rate of here it comes 0.0000013%, which is statistically, as you said earlier, Buzz, statistically zero. Well, we've tried throwing the facts at them before, and it doesn't seem to help. (laughs) This is is one of those issues like climate change and immigration and and abortion and everything else. Either you're on one side or the other. uh, Facts be damned Mm -hmm. uh, in the the case of one of the sides. So Uh, I I expect all of the red hats to do the dumb and dumber reaction to this uh, this study. So you're telling us there's a chance, right? right, <laughs> there's, right. there's a zero 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 point zero 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 one three percent Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Um, and it is. It's the distraction that yeah. they always meant it to be as part of their attempt to suppress votes, of course. Yeah, and the amazing thing is the sheer number of voter ID laws that are on the books state by state. I think we're looking at somewhere around 30 states with voter ID laws, despite the fact that there is no such thing as in-person voter fraud, which is what voter ID is explicitly designed to prevent. So it's a and some of the some of the laws won't even allow voter IDs from colleges and that sort of thing. So large groups of people are excluded from voting because of some of the ridiculous details in yeah. these ridiculous laws. So if if I told you there was a zero point zero 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 one three percent chance that you had testicular cancer, what would you amount to a ninety nine point nine 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 eight seven percent chance that you were cancer free? Would you have your testicles removed anyway? I sure as hell would not. Um, that's just <laughs> that's just me. Not- not based on those numbers, no. <laughs> no, 
Definitely, definitely not. And then the other study was, of course, the uh, the Trump uh, Kobach, uh, Chris Kobach. Is it? Well, how do you say that, Buzz? Kobach or Co- Kobach. Kobach? Kobach. Okay, yeah. So Chris Kobach did this study for <laughs> eight eight months, <laughs> and it was entirely disbanded. And they they claimed that it was because the uh, the commission was stonewalled by the states. They're saying, no, we're not going to hand over our our. Uh, and to some degree, yeah, to some degree, that's true. I, you know, would you? Uh, as a blue state, would you trust your voter information? Would you hand over the name of your registered voters to this administration? Yeah. I think not. <laughs> Especially after the cozy relationship with Russia, right? Right, and right. It, but at the same time, uh, the fact of the matter is that it, normally in any of these uh, long-term, very vast uh, investigations, there are always legal imbroglios that t- that take place. There's always legal wrangling to get documents and to get information, and there's always sure, wrangling sure. over jurisdiction and so on. So that's b- supposed to be built into the actual process of having a study like this or having an, a, a commission like this. In fact, uh, one of the commissioners... The actual Trump-appointed commissioners, this guy, uh, Matthew Dunlop, said mm-hmm. that uh, even though the idea was to investigate voter fraud, it is pretty clear that the purpose of the commission was actually to affirm and validate the president's claims whether or not we had any evidence of any such voter conduct. See, just like Larry yeah. Kudlow. Yep, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. This is, this is an actual Chris Kobach commissioner saying... Ah, uh, you know what? This is all about validating Donald Trump's crazy conspiracy theory. And I guess at some point, someone must have gone, you know what? This isn't worth it because we're not really turning up anything. And if we turn up zero, then we're going to look really embarrassed uh, and really, really stupid. And they and they did anyway. And they, I mean, and they did they, anyway. They, they looked they look stupid by launching it in the first place. They looked even stupider by by ending it. But, they, you know, Trump always makes things worse for Trump. Unfortunately, and everyone else in the process. <laughs> yeah, that too. Well, it's happening again now with this Google study that uh, Trump is freaking out about because, of course, Trump was yelling at his TV yesterday morning, happened to flip on uh, Fox Business Channel oh. and, and saw this report uh, indicating, at least to the Fox audience, that 2.6 million to 16 million votes in favor of Hillary Clinton were manipulated by Google, by the Google he's, search results. He, he's still on that. He won, yeah. and he's still on that. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it, it really is. The Google study that he tweeted about was uh, conducted by this psychologist, Robert Epstein, uh, who reported that, quote, search results were on average biased in favor of Hillary Clinton in the 25 or 30 days uh, before the election, at least according to the study. But my, my question when everyone says, oh, they're biased in favor of Hillary Clinton. Was there a deliberate bias or was reality just biased in favor of or, news of- or were some of those uh, searches, Trump supporters searching for dirt on Hillary Clinton? I mean, it's again, it's possible that reality just leaned in favor of Clinton during that time. I mean, of course, that period of time also had the access Hollywood tape. So, yeah, naturally, right. there are going to be some pro Clinton bias uh, in the actual news events, not deliberate, but in the actual course of reporting the news. But the other thing uh, is that this survey uh, was just conducted uh, among 95 people. So he was able right. to yeah, extrapolate that. out of 95 people 2.6 million votes at the uh, lowest uh, at the lowest point, at the lowest floor. And, and, and what makes him see uh, 95 people uh, as indicative of the, the entire world, the entire country at least? Uh, because that's what that's what he's focused on. He's still on 
losing uh, to Hillary Clinton. Yeah, losing yeah. The popular vote. He's mad because more people were talking about her on Google than we're talking about or searching for him. And, you know, the other thing is, too, that as we all know, any of us who use Google, you know, to look things up, as the entire world does, is we know that very often the Google algorithm will turn up results that are specific to us in terms of what we often look for on Google, what we use Google for, the kind of results that we often click on. Those are the results that are going to be weighted more toward individuals, right? Google Google is like our uh, advisor, the way Trump has advisors. It tells us what we want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Or put another way, I think, uh, <laughs> it, right, right. That's a great way to put it. In fact, Philip Bump from the Washington Post pointed this out. He wrote that uh, Google search results are specific to users, yeah. and there's no indication in the summary of this particular study by Robert Epstein, there's no mention of using incognito mode or anything like that, that any effort was made to return unweighted results from the search engine, right? So the study didn't weed out the ones that were geared toward the user's interests in order to determine how many Google search results were deliberately fed to these 26 people, like as if that sample size has any bearing on anything, right? I'm Um, I'm Google. I know you. (laughs) I know everything about you. I know what you like. I know what you did last summer. I'm Google. (laughs) Holy shit. That needs to become a thing. You need to become the new voice of Google. At least the ominous, the ominous and slightly evil voice of Google. Yes. (laughs) That's right. Oh, holy shit. So so whenever you hear Donald Trump or any of the Republicans screaming about voter fraud, the the best way to to chalk that up is that they're lying. I'm ashamed of myself because I didn't snag this guy's name, but I I came across a guy on Twitter today whose feed, his own page, is about uh, finding stuff that, uh, looking at stuff that Trump has tweeted. Yeah. And then finding the thing that was said on Fox News just before that that made him tweet it. And <laughs> yeah. so it's a correlation page. It's mm-hmm. a, you can go there as a resource and look up, okay, well, when he said this, he was talking about this particular piece that I yeah. saw on Fox News. And when he said, so I, I, while we're on the internet, we're talking about Google, it, I was reminded of this uh, guy on Twitter who actually correlates uh, Trump's tweets to reports on Fox News. I'm glad you brought that up because that's extraordinarily helpful. That whatever whoever that guy is who's drawing those yes. parallels, uh, creating those correlations, because. Find him. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would say 90% of what Trump tweets is just basically uh-huh. Trump yelling at his television or yes. stealing yes. what he hears on his television and making it his own. That's what he does a lot. He just completely plagiarizes people on Fox News Channel, too, and then says it's his own. Occasionally, one of his staffers will do it, but they'll put it in quotes. Uh, Donald right. Trump seldom ever actually directly quotes anyone he's stealing from. So uh, we were talking about Mike Pompeo earlier, and I just want to kind of loop this into the conversation about the 2020 presidential election. There was a quote that Mike Pompeo delivered today uh, that needs to be included in every single Democratic national security ad from now until Election Day, especially the ones that are targeted into suburban areas of the uh, swing states. And that is this following quote, where Mike Pompeo acknowledged today that there are, quote, Places where ISIS is more powerful today than they were three or four years ago. Again, 
we're not necessarily reveling in this news, but now that it has no. happened, Democrats running for president right now, you have to use this quote. He is been- yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, well, the Democrats running for president have not uh, made it a point to talk about foreign policy and I put a lot of the blame on the networks that have sponsored debates so far for not asking about or spending any time on foreign policy. Yeah. Look around. Look at the world news. The world is on fire. That's right. Uh, you know, maybe we ought to consider that and uh, this nation's place in it, uh, in these debates, and that has not been done. But even the candidates out on the trail certainly have not been talking about these kinds of things. We, we certainly should. I, I would like to see this included as well. I, it's not as... Uh, hot button or sexy as some of the other things that are being discussed, but it's uh, very, very important. Yeah, you know, and that's actually a topic, too, that uh, Anderson Cooper spoke with uh, Stephen Colbert about the other yes. night. And and one of the best interviews I've seen in a, in a while with, sure. uh, with Colbert. And Colbert is just... Uh, one of the finest uh, men on television right now. I mean, as far as being mm-hmm. endlessly hilarious, being smart as fuck. Holy shit, is Stephen Colbert a smart guy? And he's also he's very thoughtful and and caring. I mean, it's I think his re- yeah. his religion drives yeah. that. And uh, and one of the things they were talking about is the fact that Donald Trump's constantly bragging about how the world respects us again and they're no longer laughing at us when in fact. They're laughing yeah. more at us, and they well, respect us less. Well, and crying, and crying more. They certainly <laughs> yeah. respect us less. I don't think it's funny. I think it was funny to them at first, like it was with a lot of us. Yeah. Uh, but but that that has long since worn off. Uh, I, I think they detest the guy now. Right, And they right. detest having to deal with him, and they, too, are looking forward to 2020. And by the way, I don't know if you caught this or not, uh, the tease at the end of uh, Rachel Maddow's show last night, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell teased that he would have at the end of his show someone who was predicting a Democratic lock on the 2020 election. <laughs> and the thing the thing about this political science professor is that she was exactly spot on when no one else was in predicting the outcome of the 2018 midterms. She predicted 40 seats. It was 40 seats. She was right on the money. Nobody else was. She's She sees a minimum of 278 electoral votes for the, well, whoever the Democrat is in in 2020, wow. and possibly as many as 282. Uh, so she's looking at that range there. But she says, based on her calculations, and and uh, those those that that four state difference in that range, uh, those are those are harder to predict states. But she says, even no matter what those harder to predict states do, those four states, uh, either country will have the rest of the country will have generated. Uh, 278 electoral votes for the Democrat based on based on her research. And she's this is a poli sci professor who was dead spot on in the midterms. Yeah. Yeah. I I think uh, if we have more weeks like this past week for Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. the past maybe seven or 10 days, we have more weeks like that through 2020 combined with a recession. Well, it's going to be very, very difficult for Donald Trump to get reelected. And I think, you know, he's just he's making a colossal mistake. And we've we've talked about this mistake. This is I'm not breaking any news by saying this, but the longer that he continues to pander to his red hats at these rallies, the less well he's going to do in in 2020, because people are tired of that, because I I think I would, you know, 
I kind of like to group people I know into this category, which is my way of trying to find a way to still respect them, which is that I think they assumed when they had voted for Donald Trump, they assumed that he was going to, here comes that word, they were going to, uh, they were hoping that he would pivot. They were thinking, oh, as soon as he gets elected, or maybe as soon as he gets the nomination, maybe he'll pivot. As soon as he gets elected, maybe he'll pivot. As soon as the inauguration happens, maybe he'll pivot. You, maybe you this- must know more reason. You must know more reasonable people than I do, because uh, <laughs> the people I know who voted for Trump don't want him to pivot at all. Yeah, that may be the case. Uh, but you know, I, I, I'm at least trying to superimpose that attitude upon right. them. <laughs> at least, this this- is my way is not uh, hating them. Right. This professor, whose last name I've forgotten, uh, said that she uh, believes that this 2020 election is not about uh, the Republicans who might be swayed and not even about the independents who might be swayed. She said there is a strong enough, motivated enough Democratic base out there to get those 278 electoral votes uh, by her calculations. I have said on this show before, I know, that, and, and this is sort of uh, reflexive of what you just said about Trump and appealing to his base, every day he is in office, he does something or says something that makes... Democrat and progressive voters even more angry yeah. and more motivated to go to the polls uh, in 2020 and absolutely crush him, which I think gives credence to the professor's projection. Well, actually, I, I'm glad we went down this road talking about 2020 um, because I have an observation, a very brief observation, but an observation nevertheless about uh, Bernie Sanders that I'd like to like to talk about after a, uh, a quick break here. We'll take a break, oh, come back. Tease. Yeah, I know. Talking about Bernie Sanders here in a minute. And uh, well, not specifically about Bernie. I, I think some of you know oh. what I'm what I'm about to get into uh, right after <laughs> these words. <laughs> hey, dude. Being at the racetrack is a blast! High five! Whoa, man, uh, you can put your arm down now. What, you gonna leave me hanging? Come on, bring it in for a hug. Uh, that's okay, man. We're cool. What's the matter? We're all buds, man. Uh, well, I, I hate to tell you, but I think you need to take a pit stop. What? I'm not driving a race car, man. No, pit stop. It's, uh, well, an all-natural deodorant that'll keep your pits from, uh, being the pits. Oh, no. My pits are the pits. Hey, don't worry, man. Luckily, my pals over at Bubble Genius have you covered. They've created all-natural stuff to help with summer stank. Everything from pit stop deodorant to cooling facial mist to talc-free body powders that leave you soft, not sweaty. Hey, cool! You said it. Bubble Genius keeps you cool all summer long. BubbleGenius.com Bob Seska This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com well, it seems like gravity's really got its hold on me Sorry. I know you stepped on it, Buzz. Damn it. I did. That was really my fault and my slow <laughs> slow fingers, my le- uh, lethargy. Let us, let us have our fun. This is smooth. This is almost yacht rock music to me. It is uh, 100% yacht rock, in fact. This yeah. is uh, Young Gun Silver Fox, another track from their AM Waves album, one of the revelations on our uh, you know slate of indie uh, music here on the show. I- we will play this. We will play this song on the boat that we rent when you come back down here to Florida. <laughs> I guess as long as I can wear my Cap'n's hat and my oh. uh, Hawaiian shirt. 
Your hat awaits you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, this is... I think I listen to this album at least once a day. Young Guns, Silver Fox, uh, AM Waves is the name of the album. The song is called uh, Mojo Rising. Every single song on this album is uh, 100%. 100%. I just love it it's so much. Smooth. Yeah, yeah. Just a, it's a modern yacht rock. It's yacht rock, you know, late 70s, early 80s yacht rock, but with a modern edge. I love it so much. Okay. Chilling. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I mentioned uh, Bernie Sanders here. I think here's the thing, um, and this is something I've prefaced every discussion of Bernie Sanders uh, with, and that is to say, I don't hate Bernie Sanders. I really don't. I like uh, a lot of the things he has to say. I I, yeah. I find him spunky and interesting. By the way, spunky is always a word that's used in relation to old people, so I didn't mean to say <laughs> spry is another one. Have you said <laughs> That's well, something. yeah. See, that's, that's very a, that conjures old. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's a great no, spunky, way. Spunky. To... I you you can even be a, a spunky kid. I, I don't guess necessarily. So. But but spry. Now that sounds <laughs> that sounds like an old person word. That is kind of it. Um, but and in fact, there was a video clip going around. They played a, a baseball game at the Field of Dreams uh-huh. in Iowa. And I yes. tell you what, between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and their <laughs> amazing running. They are a, those two. I mean, I think uh, Elizabeth Warren's about 70. Bernie Sanders is, what do we say, 77, 76, somewhere around there. Yeah, they can run better than I can run. I, if I ran the way they ran, man, I would drop to the ground with like a, you, a wobbly knee well, or something. You know, Warren is just a simmering time bomb. She's a she's a a, 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 a bomb. She's a Molotov cocktail of energy. Yeah, and 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 just waiting to go off. And so it doesn't surprise me uh, that she has the energy for this. But uh, regarding both of them, wouldn't you have to have that kind of stamina? Yeah, to run for president because the demands of that are insane yeah i mean he was out there bernie sanders was out there pitching and hitting and running the bases and i'm looking at that going if i if i if i threw a softball like that today Uh my Uh shoulder would be unusable for about 48 hours to 72 hours somewhere around there oh come on you're still doing that you're still throwing the the iron around aren't you well yeah kind of but it's a whole different motion to throw you know and i haven't been running either because true yeah you know why i haven't been running buzz because i injured my my the heel of my foot (laughs) so but yet bernie sanders is like twice my age and he's out there running around but anyway so here's the uh the overall point that i was gonna get at here all of the democrats every single one of the democrats and their campaigns are for the most part i mean some are taking shots at the front runner which is normally what that's normal paul you take shots at whoever's in the lead and that's kind of going on a little bit but none of the democrats are really um taking really harmful shots at each other necessarily it got a little it got a little uncomfortable for me in the last uh democratic debate yes it was it was getting a little snippy there, uh, and and when really again, as uh, someone Swalwell, who's no longer in, or someone pointed out, you, we're fighting among ourselves, and that's really not what we should be doing. So I, I'm glad that, that we get those reminders. I hope we continue to get those reminders. You're gonna see a little of this. They're competitive. Uh, they're competing. Yeah. Uh, so some of this is gonna happen. Uh, I just hope we, you know, that it doesn't get too ugly. Yeah. And, and so far, I think the indications are that we we might get away with that. That it might not have to get 
too ugly. Well, in in the cases where one candidate's been aggressive toward another, uh, in many cases, that's uh, uh, somebody had to back down, and uh, the, that was therefore mooted. Yeah. Well, the, the problem here is that, and I, I wish. I wish the Bernie people would all get together and and try to convince uh, the campaign to stop using Susan Sarandon on the campaign trail because yeah, she's yeah. doing we nothing but devi- she is an enormously divisive character, especially given the way she uh, campaigned in 2016, eventually voted for Jill Stein, said it was OK, welcomed Donald Trump to become president because after all, if Donald Trump becomes president. It'll stoke the revolution and blah, blah, blah. Here we are. I loved Susan Sarandon until she started to talking about politics not because i disagreed with her politics but because i realized she was nuts and (laughs) yeah you know so it's very unfortunate uh i know that uh political campaigns uh, love to attach themselves and love to be attached by celebrities uh i think we've reached a point with sarandon's credibility that she is that it cancels out her star assets uh, I, I don't think she's helping. I think, and yeah, as you said, being very divisive. Too. Yeah. Well, and, and divisive in terms of attacking Elizabeth Warren, of all people. I mean, I could see... Subtly, yes. Yeah, I could, I could see her going after one of the more conservative Democrats, but going after Elizabeth Warren, who basically has all the Venn diagram overlap with Bernie Sanders as far as politics goes, as far as their platform goes. Uh, There's no reason to go after Elizabeth Warren other than to say, you know what, we're the only progressive candidates on this stage, despite the fact that Elizabeth Warren has incredible progressive bona fides uh, to back her up. And so I don't understand why she's doing this. We don't need to have this kind of attitude right now. here's, Here's how I like to think about this. Elizabeth Warren was a Republican for about five minutes back in the day. Yeah. Bernie, Bernie Sanders became a Democrat five minutes ago. <laughs> that is 100% true. That is, of course, 100% true. And, you know, we can start parsing votes, too, if we want to, and see, you know, where Bernie Sanders happens to land. I think Elizabeth right. Warren actually, uh, in terms of her votes, is considered more progressive than Bernie Sanders. Vote by vote. I mean, that may not mean what their personal values are necessarily, but as Sanders, far as their I, their voting record goes. In his defense, Sanders is holding his own. Uh, he It had appeared that he'd slipped, uh, he slipped a little in the ranking of uh, Elizabeth Warren outdoing him. But uh, but by some, by a little. Uh, but Bernie hasn't lost either. He's holding solid oh, yeah. no. at about at around 15, 16 percent. So he, it's not like the wheels are coming off Bernie's campaign. He's still got a chance. I'm just seeing more buzz for Warren. Obviously, Biden's still out front. I read something interesting today. It's sort of basic and obvious, I guess. But sometimes it helps to see these things crystallized. And that is that Biden is once again out front of the other Democratic uh, candidates by a double-digit lead. Why is that? Well, because he hasn't said anything. Yeah. Uh, and he hasn't he hasn't made any more gaffes. And as long as he lays low, <laughs> it's a funny way to run for president. Uh, as long as he does that, uh, he's going to continue to have that lead. Because in the analysis that I read and now agree with. Uh, America sees this. Uh, American voters see this. Democrat voters, Democratic voters see this, and that is now he's got me doing it. Democratic <laughs> voters, <laughs> Democratic voters, which is exactly what he wanted. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, but Democratic <laughs> voters see uh, Bernie Sanders as somebody who won't upset the economic apple cart. 
they they uh, the majority of American uh, Democratic voters, as I understand it, are not interested in any kind of radical changes to health care and to our economic system or anything that would affect that or the distribution of wealth. They 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 don't want they don't want anything too radical in in economically or in terms of health care. And Biden represents a sort of a safe vote, but at the same time, he is the embodiment of the real reason Democrats will go to the polls in 2020, and that is to beat Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a safe vote, but at the same time, he might not be a safe vote. But right, I, I, and, and this could change on a, this could turn on a dime. Yeah. This could change while we're talking. Yeah, and of course, um, I'm completely fine with Joe Biden being the nominee. I'm completely fine sure. with Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, and Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is the nominee. I'm going to campaign for Bernie Sanders. It's just going to make it way easier for me and many others to do that um, if Susan Sarandon isn't part of it. Because I think Shuts up, yeah. I think the thing, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but bear with me as I repeat it again that the thing that bothers me about Bernie is not necessarily Bernie. It's the people who surround Bernie. And I'm talking some about... Of them, some of them. Yeah, some, some of them. Of them. I, I, we're, we're seeing a poll survey indicating now that uh, a lot of Bernie supporters are willing to, uh, in fact, uh, eager to vote for whoever yeah. the Democratic nominee is, whoever can beat Trump. There will be... <laughs> Of the Bernie supporters, I would say at least 15% of them, maybe higher in his case, maybe 40, maybe as high as 40% of them, uh, are going to be burning all the way. Yeah. We'll never win all of them, but we could win many of them in terms of support for the nominee. Uh, one other piece of campaign news I want to throw in that I read that I, that makes me happy. Yeah. And uh, that is to see that Julian Castro has now made it as the 10th participant in the oh, great. debate. And here's why I like that. Julian Castro is not ready to be president, but he's part of this amazing pool that we have of talent. And mm -hmm. I swear, when I listen to Julian Castro speak, I feel I'm listening to Barack Obama. Yes! He has, he has the same temperament, mm -hmm. the same intellect, yep. the same compassion. Uh, he's just, he's so well measured in yes. what he says, so precise in what he says, so right on target, so accurate with what he says, and, and he says it calmly and intelligently. Yes. Uh, this guy, this guy just reminds me incredibly of Obama, and we mustn't lose sight of him. And as, as, as I've said before, I think there, I've been drinking with Larry Kudlow, as I've said before, <laughs> I've, I've, uh, now I don't remember because I enjoyed that joke. Uh, <laughs> You're talking about Julian Castro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As I've said before, I think uh, much of the Democratic field, and I saw somebody say this on Twitter today, that, that much of, if not most of the Democratic field, uh, great cabinet, best cabinet ever. Yeah. And I hope that some of that works out. Uh, regardless of who the nominee is. We're going to support the nominee, whoever that is. Yeah, and you know what? I want to second everything you said about Julian Castro right there. I think he is, the, the word that always comes to mind when I see him speak is the word steady. 
He is yes. steady. He is rock solid when he's talking about these things. I never have to worry. It's the same with Pete Buttigieg. Both of them have this way yes. of, of talking about yes. the issues where I never have to worry about them potentially stumbling over their own words or right. not drawing a salient enough argument in support of their position. I always right. can just ease back and let it wash over me and absorb what they're saying without having to always consider, well, shit, I hope they don't fuck this up. Uh, and it never happens. And and that's what the, the great thing about both of them. I just feel like both uh, Pete Buttigieg and Julian Castro need a few more years to bake. They need a few more years in the oven. And uh, either one of them can be uh, an enormously successful presidential candidate and maybe even enormously successful uh, president of the United States. I think. Yeah, let's well, keep them. Keep them in the hallway. Keep them handy. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and again, and I mean, Julian, Julian Castro, I think, is going to be the first uh, Latino president one of these days. So just go out and uh, that, and say would, that. that. That would be great because we'd love to have that sort of articulate warmth once again. Yep. And uh, I will say to Bernie Sanders supporters, uh, it doesn't look great for Bernie right now. He's not out of the race, but it doesn't look real promising for him to be the nominee. It's possible, though. Yep. And if it happens... Bob and I are voting for it. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll sit here on this show talking about why people should vote for Bernie Sanders over Donald Trump. Absolutely 100%. All, all I ask for at this point is, uh-huh. is that you don't make it difficult for us to make that transition. And vice versa. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we should make it difficult for people to make the transition to supporting uh, Bernie Sanders or any of the other uh, nominees. I think what we need to do is is play as nice as possible. Take, the, right. take some shots when I think they're well-deserved. Like, I think Kamala Harris getting the racism thing with uh, the forced busing and all that crap out of the way in one of the earlier debates. I think that was smart, but as we get closer and closer to Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, and all the rest, Super Tuesday, that you start to holster some of that shit and bear in mind the overall outcome. Because I, I think the one thing that will destroy Democratic chances based on the solid polling that's happening now is another protracted, ugly primary battle like we had in uh, 2008 and like we had in certainly in 2016. And we, as long as we can avoid that, I think all bets are on the idea right now of whoever can destroy Donald Trump. That has got to be the priority. I just want mommy and daddy to stop fighting. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, I remember David Ferguson texted me back in 2008 during the Obama-Clinton uh, primary fracas and was like, when are mommy and daddy going to stop fighting, Bob? Uh, I don't I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish it was over now. Um, okay, we've got a big uh, post-mortem show coming up next on our Patreon page. Again, our thousandth subscriber gets to co-host an episode of the show. So go to bobseskashow.com. Sign up right now for at least $1 a month. You won't miss that money coming out of your uh, your bank account every month. Meanwhile, make sure to listen to the best hour of news that you're going to hear on any podcast anywhere in the world. That is Buzz Burbank News and Comment. Every damn Thursday, I have a little commentary in there myself. I join in the fun every Thursday, too. So go to buzzburbank.com, also realmnetwork.com, and everywhere you get your podcasts, listen to Buzz Burbank News and Comment. Thank you, Bob. All right, postmortem show coming up next, my friends. See you over there. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Lee Papa, host of AGD Podcast with the Rude Pundit. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll love my show, where every week I talk about politics and interview funny, fascinating, and filthy people. Find it at sexyliberal.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere else you get your podcasts.